0: You're listening to the Team Guru Podcast, bringing to life the theory and principles of leadership.
1: Hello and welcome to the Team Guru Podcast. My name's David Frizzell. This is episode 79 and I'm wondering if you've ever spent time thinking about your personal brand. Personal brand, I hear you say? Isn't that a bit superficial? Isn't branding yourself just an obscene acquiescence to the modern habit of trivializing character and selling out to the cult of image? Well, I used to think so too. So I invited Debbie O'Connor, author and brand expert, onto the show to convince me otherwise. And I have to say, she did an excellent job. In the conversation you're about to hear, Debbie shares with us the importance of personal brand. She puts the case that it runs much deeper than skin-deep image management, and she gives away her secrets, the five steps she takes her clients through to help them gain clarity about their personal brand. Follow along, ask yourself these questions, and see if you're convinced. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Debbie O'Connor. Debbie O'Connor, welcome to the Team Guru Podcast.
0: Thanks for having me, David.
1: Great to have you on the show. Debbie, I'm really looking forward to our conversation because you're going to clear up for me the difference between these two very similar sounding concepts, but apparently very different things. The idea of personal brand and brand personality. Are you okay to talk about those two things tonight?
0: Absolutely. My favorite Wonderful,
1: Good, good. Well, that's so, what a coincidence. That might be why we've got you on the show. So, Debbie, I'm going to start maybe not by playing devil's advocate, but just by being honest and saying when I hear – Personal branding. There's something in me that just says, it just sort of cringes a little bit and thinks, oh, superficial, oh, engineering an image that may not be real, engineering an image for consumption, for profit, rather than something that is truly me. Can you help me understand, firstly, am I wrong? Is is that indeed what personal branding is all about? And, And if I'm wrong, I'd love to understand what more there is to it than that.
0: Well, firstly, I think that you know, when you're building a personal brand, what you're actually trying to do is authentically bring across what you know, what you love, where your expertise lie in a way that people can connect with you. Now, when a lot of people think of personal branding, you might say, well, it doesn't feel that it's, you know, it's real, it's orchestrated. But by focusing on what your personal brand is, it means you just have a lot more clarity in being able to talk to your clients, be able to create a perception as to where you stand within your industry, and give people a leverage point as to what your reputation is.
1: So when someone... well, First of all, why does someone develop this feeling that they need to manufacture or or uh, at least manicure and be very conscious of their personal brand. What's going on in someone's life or career when they become conscious of that?
0: All right. So, you know, a lot of people develop their level of expertise in the industry over a period of time. Personal brands such as Richard Branson, Oprah Winfrey, JK Rowling, these are people that we know, we understand them. Their personalities and their brand has been developed in such a way that we connect with them and we can look up to them. We know what they stand for. We know what their level of experience and expertise is. And so, the fact that they've been able to build a personal brand, not just simply a business that they work in, it means that they become the thought leader within their realm or their industry. And so people can have a level of trust with them that if they hadn't built their personal brand, you actually wouldn't have had before.
1: So a, a personal brand is a way to allow people who don't know you personally to be able to relate to you. It's like a summary of of who you are. Is is that what you're saying there? So when we have this image of Richard Branson and JK Rowling, what we're getting is something that is that equates to almost a a fairly accurate summary of them as a person. Is that right?
0: Yes. And I think it's also, you know, they are very clear about themselves. They have a very clear understanding of who they are, what they stand for, why they do what they do. And I think that's a really important part about a personal brand is knowing all of those things so that when you talk to your customer or when you're standing up on stage and you're presenting in a way that you want people to believe what you're saying, trust in what you're saying, understand that you are an expert in your field, you really need to know a lot of those things about yourself. It's very difficult to be able to authentically give across your knowledge or your information without actually understanding who you are and why you're doing what you're doing.
1: So you talked about that that example there of of being on stage, perhaps, you know, being a speaker, doing the kind of work that you do and the kind of work that I do. You in order to be able to do that, we need to know who we are. That's what you're saying, because we want the audience to believe us and to trust what we're doing. Is there also an element here of consistency as well? If I have a a really good understanding of what my personal brand is, I know who I am, I can stand up and be a consistent professional or a consistent performer in the work that I do? Is consistency an important part of this? Oh,
0: consistency is key. And that is why you really need to understand what your personal brand is. Because it is so tempting to look at other people who are in the spotlight and go, oh, I love what they're doing. Let me do what Mm. they're doing and try and be them. That's not going to work for your personal brand because you really have to be you. To be authentic, for people to trust you and believe you and follow what you're doing and really buy into what you are teaching them or sharing with them, they need to feel that you are rock solid. And if you are one minute trying to be Tony Robbins and the next minute trying to be Ellen DeGeneres and the next minute trying to be Oprah, what's going to happen is you're going to completely confuse your audience. And so your personal brand is going to dissipate and people aren't really going to know who you are and they're not going to be able to trust you as well. So knowing exactly who you are, what you are wanting to get across to your customer, how you even talk to your customers, you know, are you a Tony Robbins motivating speaker? Or are you an Oprah Winfrey, deep, meaningful, you know, sage-like character? If you know what that personality for your brand is, then you're going to have a much stronger way of being able to connect with your customer.
1: It's a inter- really interesting point you bring up about someone who is on this quest. They're searching for a, an identity, the, the brand, the thing that they want people to see. It was almost as if one of the the traps that you can fall into is to look at some big brands, some big names, people who are, who are very well-known like, Tony Robbins and Ellen DeGeneres—the examples that you gave there—and try and tap into that. And, and you say that it's a mistake to do that because it's not authentic. It's not you. And if you are flipping between different kind of made-up characters or copied characters, your audience is going to have trouble trusting you, and they're going to have trouble believing what you said. You know, the the first point that we started talking about. But is it okay, though, for someone who is beginning their career, building their own reputation, to look at those kind of well-known figures, people who have been very successful in, in the, the field that they're trying to have success in, and not copy, but learn things about them, kind of mimic or take little pieces and make them their own? There's a fine line between just copying someone and being inspired by them, isn't there?
0: Yes, there is. And there is a thing called R&D, which is rip off and duplicate. And what that Mm -hmm. is in the industry is, look, you can take ideas from people, but in the end, the delivery needs to be entirely yours. The way you write, the way you speak, the way you present, the way you engage with people needs to be you. Because if it's not, then people are not going to trust you. And if one minute you're acting like Ellen and the next minute you're acting like Oprah, people are going to feel that you're schizophrenic and nobody likes a schizo, <laughs> yeah. right? So in the <laughs> end, they really do want to make sure that they're dealing with someone who's rock solid. And you know, knowing exactly who you are and what your brand is, is going to give so much confidence and confidence breeds charisma. And, you know, those people that are charismatic, that can hold themselves, they know exactly what they want to do and how they want to do it. That kind of confidence really is infectious. And it's super important for a personal brand. Whether it's a half-day Energizer session or a comprehensive team and leadership program, Team Guru's unique approach could be just what the doctor ordered for your organization.
1: All right. So let's say I'm listening to this and I think, yeah, you know, I I need this. I need to not only understand my own identity myself and really know who I am and what I'm trying to achieve and the type of professional performance that I want to bring to my work, but I don't know how to go about doing that. It's new to me. I don't know what the steps that I should take. Is it a case of just saying, look, you know, what I'm going to do is continue to build my career and then reflect as time goes by, reflect regularly and just assess what are those qualities that I'm living by and that's my brand? Or should I be taking it from the other direction and and create a picture for myself that will almost drive me to enact the behaviors that fulfill that picture?
0: Yeah. Look, in my branding studio, what we actually focus on when we're looking at building a personal brand for a client is we actually say that the personal brand needs to be directed exactly the way we would a business brand. So we treat you as a business. Now, the reason why we do that is because if you're building a personal brand, it means that you are your own money-making machine. It means that you're the one having to get up there and go out there and do all the work. So you need to see yourself as a business because if you're not out there, if you're not working, the reality is, the money's not going to be coming in. So you really need to see yourself as a business. And yes, you will have skills and ability and knowledge that you can be paid for. But in the end, people need to connect with you. So there are a number of things that we like to look at. And I like to think of them as the five essential ingredients that you need if you're going to be building a personal brand. And so the first one Great. we look at. That was at my is, next
1: question. I was going to ask you to talk me through your your process and you, you got there. Great.
0: Yeah. So Look, the first thing we look at is who are you? So if you are a business, you would then look at what your brand personality for a business would be. But just as a human is, you need to look at those key personality traits. What makes you, you? And when you have complete clarity about who you are, it is so much easier to talk to your customer. So you need to look at what your non-negotiables are going to be when you react in certain situations. What are you prepared And what are you not prepared to do? That's a big part of who you are. Other questions to define yourself would be, you know, how do you react to situations? Are you funny? Are you trustworthy? Are you inspiring? Are you a bit rebellious? You might be quiet and reserved or you like creating a really intimate relationship and feel with your clients that they feel like they are super important in your life. You might be loud. You might be excitable. There's so many different aspects to the personality that you might be. But the reality is you need to be who you are. So you cannot be the excitable, funny person if by nature that's not you. So you really yeah. need to dig deep and go, well, what can, who am I? Like, How do I like to interact with people? What is that thing that my friends say is so appealing about me? And those are the kind of traits that you need to pull out because the customers that you then attract are going to be the right ones who actually like dealing with you because of how you do what you do, not what you do.
1: All right. That's great. I get that. So the the first step that you take is to have a real look in the mirror and ask, who are you? What are your key personality traits? What are the things that make you you, that draw people to you?
0: Great. Absolutely. What's the second one? The second one is, what is your promise? So what I mean by that is, what are you going to promise your customer every single day that you're going to deliver on? One key focus point. Now, this is a tricky thing because, you know, as humans, we want to be all things to all people. We want to please people. It's just in our nature. But the reality is, we cannot please all the people all the time. So, to build a reputation, a rock-solid reputation for delivering on what we promise, we need to focus on one core promise. And what we do is every day we get up and that's the one thing we promise that we're going to deliver on. So, I'll give you an example. In my business, Mm, our promise is to create designs our customers will be proud of. And that is what we focus on every single day when we're creating designs in the end, we want our customer to be really, really proud of what we've delivered to them so that they go out and they show the world and they grow their business. So it's a really important promise for us to keep every day. You know, this is a really have...
1: nice, tangible one. That's Absolutely.
0: Great. And so if you're going to deliver on a promise, you need to make sure that it's the kind of promise you can achieve because if you don't deliver on it, Then what's going to happen is your reputation is going to be one of, you know, not being able to keep your promises. You're going to be unreliable. And people are then going to see you as, I mean, we all know these people when you ask them to come to, you know, dinner or come to the movies. And they're always those people that pull out at the last minute. And they leave you hanging and you're you know you're left high and yeah. dry. And you think, I don't actually understand why I invited them in the first place. I knew they were going to bail on me. Yeah. So the thing is that that's reputation. And you don't want to become known for something that you cannot deliver on. You want to become famous for something that you can deliver on.
1: Great. I like it. So the, the number one was, who, who are you? Your key personality, traits. Number two is, what is your promise? What is that one core promise that you make to your customers all the time and deliver on. The thing that you think about when you get up in the morning, that is what I deliver today. Great. I love it. And then that's about becoming someone who does what they say they'll do and connecting those Absolutely. things. I love it. Okay. Debbie, what is number three?
0: Okay. So number three is what is your why? Now, a lot of people have seen the TED Talk by Simon Sinek. And he talks about your why. It's not about your what or your how. He focuses on the why. So, why do you do what you do? And this is slightly different Mm. to your promise. Your promise is what you're delivering to your customer. But why? Why do you get up every day and go to work and do what you do? And the tip here is if it's simply to make money, then you're on the wrong track because nobody is going to connect with you. Because you want to make money. So if we bring it back to my business, because it's an easy example for me to give you now, is that we want to transform businesses from ordinary to extraordinary. So that's our why. Everybody that comes into my business every day, we love designing and seeing businesses go from ordinary to extraordinary. And so transformation is a big key part of why. Why we do what we do. And so I think looking at watching that Simon Sinek TED talk is super interesting and he he really pulls it apart in a way that it's easy to understand but actually finding your why for a lot of people is very hard. They mm, find it very yeah. difficult to know that but you know if you're building a personal brand it's a really key point to know so that you can stand up to people and say this is what I believe in, and this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I'm so passionate about it that I'm prepared to, you know, do this every single day. And that becomes a very infectious energy for people.
1: Oh, okay, I, I like it. So, the, you know, the, the, the third one is, is a tricky one, isn't it? The, the why. It's a question we've all wondered, we've all heard it, we've all seen the TED talk from Simon and Sinek, as you say but what is that why? And that's, I'm guessing, the kind of question that you don't just answer once and put it on a shelf, that it's the kind of thing that you need to continually revisit and ask yourself about that why. Is it still true? Did I nail it the first time? Has it changed for me? Do I fully understand why I like to do the things that I am driven to do? Great stuff. I I see the way that you're really building this I like it. You know, who are you? What's your promise? And, and what's at the core of that promise? Why are you promising that? Why are you driven to make that promise to every customer that you have? I like that way you're creating this picture. Fantastic. What's number four?
0: So, number four is focusing on how you do things. So, in this case, we're really not interested in what you do. All right. It's because if you're going to compete, with everybody that does what you do, you're all competing on exactly the same level. Every single dentist does exactly the same thing. Every graphic designer, we do exactly the same thing. The difference is how we do it and how comes back to your personality. That's your uniqueness. That's that one thing that people can tap into that makes that experience completely unique to you. And so if you for example, are what we might call the caregiver brand personality, then how you go about what you do is in a very gentle, nurturing way. So, if you are, for example, the rebel personality, you're going to be doing things in a very different way. You're going to be shaking up the status quo and you're going to be a bit of an industry nuisance doing things your way because you feel that that's a better way of doing it. So, I'm going back to this brand personality topic, which we'll get to, but I guess Mm. it's looking at how you do what you do because in the end, I'll give you a good example. If I were to say to a room full of people, make me a sandwich, I would land up getting 20, 30 different types of sandwiches. Why? Because everybody's different. Now, it's not right or wrong. I simply said, make me a sandwich. And so, someone might give me Vegemite on white bread and someone else might give me a chicken focaccia. And at some point in the day, I might want a Vegemite sandwich or I might have a little person in my life who wants a Vegemite sandwich. But at the same time, there will be people who want the chicken focaccia. And that is by doing things the way you do it so that you attract the right client for you.
1: Does this come down to style? Is style a word that's relevant here with number 4 because we've talked about who you are, the the core of you, those key personality traits, and then the the deliver, the the core promise that you make to your clients. And then there's the why, why you're driven to make that promise. Here at number 4, when we talk about how you do things, is this the style that you bring? Because you know, let's let's say we're talking about we're talking about motivational speakers. We've used that example already. There's that promise, you know, that you, you could imagine a bunch of different motivational speakers have that, that same kind of promise to motivate you to make your life better in, in some kind of way. And their personal why could be about, you know, touching other people's lives, the fact that they love seeing a difference being made in the life of, of people they work with. But this one, this style is where it could really separate those different people who, who are in quotes motivational speakers. You might have the the quiet, gentle type who who nurtures. You might have that real passionate, powerful type like Tony Robbins who gets on stage and it's almost like a rock concert. Is style the right word here for number four?
0: Yeah, look, style definitely would be a way of explaining it. You know, the difference between the way Tony Robbins gets up on stage and presents is very different to the way Brene Brown does. They are both very powerful in their messages that they're getting across, but they do them in entirely different ways. And I always like to bring up the example of Oprah and Ellen. Both of them do the same job. They're both talk show hosts. They do exactly the same thing, but it's how they do it that makes them unique people love to watch Ellen. The promise she's... to
1: the audience is very similar, isn't it? They're both making a very similar promise to their audience, but doing bringing a very different style about it.
0: That's exactly right. And so when Ellen gets up on stage, it's all about being fun and lighthearted and entertaining. And even if she's talking about serious topics, her delivery is done in a way that engages people on a more light-hearted level. Whereas with Oprah, you know, she's the thinker, the philosopher, the expert advisor. She's imparting her knowledge to people and and sharing her wisdom. And so it's done in a very different way. So her style is completely different. And they're people that absolutely love both of them, but for different reasons.
1: Yeah. All right. That's good. All right. So number four is about, about finding your way, There's the style that you bring, how you do things. And number five, Debbie, all this this stuff about personal branding, what finishes it off?
0: All right. This is ultimately what kind of reputation do you want? Do you want a reputation for being someone who shakes up the status quo like Richard Branson? Or do you want to be someone who is seen as kind and gentle and nurturing like Princess Diana? What kind of reputation do you want? Because if you want to have that bad boy Richard Branson reputation, then you know what? You can go out there and you can shake up the status quo and you can jump out of airplanes and tattoo yourself and you know, do things a little bit outside the box. But if you're going to be that caring, nurturing Princess Diana, don't go out getting tattoos. Don't go out getting drunk and posting it on social media. You need to really nurture that reputation and treat it as though it is a a super important, almost like a a precious diamond in your life, because your reputation is everything. And your reputation can be absolutely shattered in a second if you veer from it. And, you know, Kevin Spacey, you just have to look at what's happened Mm. to him. You know, your reputation is absolutely everything when it comes to your personal brand. So, you need to decide right from the beginning, what do you want that reputation to be? And once you decide on that, you need to make sure that you focus on that in everything that you do, the way you treat people, the way you answer the phone, the way you respond to people, the way you dress, the way you communicate. Everything needs to have that reputation in the forefront to make sure that it is rock solid every
1: time. Because if your behavior doesn't align with the reputation that you have built, uh, you will upset people and confuse people and you you will come crashing down. You can imagine someone who did what Kevin Spacey did and and that story that came out, others who had a a more bad boy or, or a different type of reputation, it might have done them less damage. But because it was in such stark contrast with Kevin Spacey and the the characters that he'd played and the way that he conducted himself, for the rest of his career, it really did him a huge amount of damage. Am I right in thinking that? A different person would have worn that event differently?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, look at Shane Warne, you know, when all the sexting scandal came out and about. Everybody knew he was a bad boy. Everybody knew that he was pushing the boundaries and that was his reputation. So people weren't shocked about it. People kind of went, well, you know what, that's who he is. That's um, warning. Yeah. Absolutely. And so yeah. I think that your reputation really does need to set the scene. And once you've set it, you need to stick
1: with it. Love it. This is that's good stuff, Debbie. So number one was who are you? Your key personality traits. Number two was what is your promise? That one core promise that you will deliver every time. Number three, what is your why? Why are you driven to do the things that you do? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Number four, how do you do things? What style do you bring? What's going to separate you from the competition? And number five, lastly, is the reputation that you want. Because as we just discussed, if your behavior clashes heavily with the reputation you've established, you will hurt. Yet, if you're Warnie and you get caught in a sexting scandal, it's not going to hurt you because that's the reputation. So that's an example of of why reputation is so important. Lady Di wouldn't have survived getting tattoos, I don't think. No. All right. <laughs> now, we have defaulted. It wouldn't have suited her reputation. We have defaulted to talking about someone who is a a business owner or a, a brand in themselves, someone who is putting themselves out there to sell, but- I'm sitting here thinking, look, anyone who is working inside an organization, just say I'm happy to be an employee in a large organization and I'm, I'm working my way up, I'm developing networks, I'm developing a reputation as we've talked about. This is stuff that's important to me as well. If I think about these things within an organization, even if I'm not the owner or the business builder, I'm an employee with ambition, this stuff's still super important.
0: Oh, absolutely. And in fact, you know, you just have to look at people like Gail Kelly, who, uh, you know, was the female first female CEO for Westpac. You know, yeah. the significant impact she had on the industry is profound. And people that build what we call entrepreneurs, they build their brand mm. and their personality within the business.
1: Internally.
0: Yeah. They can, you know what, they are far more employable. They are able to command a higher salary. They are the ones that get headhunted. They get the promotions. And so by understanding who they are and having a very strong personal brand, you find that those are the the types of people that big businesses want to hold on to because, you know, not a lot of people back themselves. You know know what you're getting with them. A hundred percent.
1: Because they've got a strong brand, the, the organization knows what they're holding on to. They know what they're paying to keep because this person has created for themselves a, a very readable, understandable, distinctive brand.
0: Absolutely. And another great example is Ita Butros. You know, she did for the media, like magazines, what no one else has been able to do. And that was building a personal brand for the company. So it's really interesting when you actually start looking at the people around you and go, wow, you know, they really have focused on their personal brand. When I look on their social media, everything feels like it belongs together. They're not posting, you know, crazy stuff all over the place. You know, if they're having a brand that they are a really educated, sophisticated person you find that every part of their life oozes that and so no matter which way you look at it if you try and google them on social media or on on google and try and find out any information about them you'll find that there's this theme running throughout so whether you're building a business brand for yourself or you know a personal brand within a company in the end you're the money-making machine. So, you need to look at it that way.
1: Do you want team and leadership development programs that actually work? Contact Team Guru today so we can start the conversation. The story you told there just sort of put a lens on experiences for me, experiences that we've all had. That moment in life where you think you know someone Maybe it's at work or wherever it might be, and they have maybe this nice, professional, intelligent brand that they've created in your eyes. And then you see them at the Christmas party and they get hammered and they get sloppy. And all of a sudden, this behavior just enormously clashes with the brand that has been built up in your mind over so long. And here's this behavior like a really bad Facebook post that just yep. completely clashes with everything that you've learned. What a great lens to look at brand through. Look, Debbie, that is great. And, and I have to say, you you have convinced me there that there's some depth and some purpose to this personal branding stuff, that it's not superficial. It's about tapping into who you are and what you do and why you do it and, and just creating some clarity for yourself so you can present something that's valuable and consistent and professional to the people that... That you want to engage with. I I like it. That's good stuff. Now, we haven't got a huge amount of time, so I'm concerned that we're not going to do this second issue justice. But let's just talk a little bit about this idea of brand personality, what it is and why it matters. Because I have to say, it's a concept that's a little new to me, Debbie.
0: Yeah, look, it's a concept that is fairly new to a lot of people. This actually, the concept comes back to your how. And if you know how you do things, if you know who you are, it comes at the who and the how. So if you know who you are, it makes it so much easier to focus on how you do things. And there's a psychologist, Carl Jung, you might have heard of him. Oh, I have the, heard um, of him. Yes. Back in the early the 1900s. MBTI he, guy. Yeah, you know, he's he's pretty pretty intelligent chap. And he studied hundreds and thousands of personalities. And he ascertained that there were 12 archetypes that kept coming up, stories passed down from the father to son in the Bible, fairy tales, even the movies that we watch today. These characters are all there. We don't need to be explained them. We subconsciously already know them. And so if I were to say to you, an innocent maiden, a heroic prince, a ruler over all the land or a wise old woman, I've only said a few words, yet I bet in your mind you've conjured up possibly what they look like and then traits that relate to their personality.
1: Absolutely. Stories they fit into.
0: Absolutely. Now, imagine building a brand using those exact same traits that subconsciously will connect your customer to your business because you're building it with a personality in mind. Right. The connection that you can then have is so much more powerful. So that's why I say when you're looking at who you are, being able to look at your brand personality in light of the 12 archetypes that Carl Jung came up with, if you're able to use those traits, because you would fit into one of them, that you know every single one of us fits into one, possibly two of the, the traits, no more than two, or else we are schizophrenic, which as we've ascertained before, nobody (laughs) likes. But, you know, if you are able to find out what those personality traits are, then you have so much clarity to focus on and say, well, this is who I am. And this is what I'm going to do. And I'm not going to deviate from that because this is going to give me a rock solid personal brand as well as a rock solid business brand.
1: Now, let me see if I'm on the right track here, Debbie. So I, I get the thing. I, I love that Carl Jung stuff about the 12 archetypes, those those 12 characters that we all recognize. And they basically have every one of us fall within there somewhere, maybe across two of them. I, I love that. Uh, and you've just made me think I'm going to do some refresher reading on that because it's so interesting. But you're talking about using that power of personality in your branding and in your business so that when people don't need to know everything about you they just see enough of you to realize that you are the heroic prince or you're the ruler over all the lands because they've just learned enough and and like you said before as soon as you say those words you almost fill in the gaps so you want to portray to your customers enough information so that they can recognize you as a type of organization and fill in the gaps let me see if I'm on the right track here. You would have seen on TV commercials for that insurance company, Yui. And yes. Yui does, uh, I think in my mind, I'm not with them by the way, a really good job of coming across as a uh, cool, hip, but more importantly, new economy. Uh, not making any of the mistakes that are those old mythical mistakes that the that uh, old, heavy, slow-moving insurance organizations make, like putting us all in a box and treating us all the same. Yui creates this idea that they use new technology and and new age thinking to give me a fair deal, to really insure me for who I am. And just through their ads and, and through the person that they have on TV doing their ads, I haven't paid much attention to them, but I've created subconsciously this whole story about what kind of organization Yui is trying to be. Is is that what you mean by brand personality?
0: Absolutely. And so Yui has been able to do that very effectively. Another example would be Nike. You know, Nike talks about just do it. Mm. And so we would actually call Nike the hero brand personality because it's all about Being a champion for you. They are there to encourage you and to move you forward for you to be proud, brave, and courageous and to achieve what you need to do. So, Nike fits in with the hero personality. They don't need to say, oh, hey, guys, look, we're the hero. But everything that they do, they say, their visuals, their language, their tone, everything that they do leads you down the path of them being the hero. Another hey, example know, that's would- that's,
1: a re- that's a really interesting. Just that Nike versus the Yui example, because when you said Nike, I didn't get that heroic thing pop into my mind. I got a whole history, a lifetime history of stories, because Nike is such a familiar brand, and and I have a you know a million experiences with it, whether it's. That first pair of Nike shoes that I just remembered I bought, whether it's the fact that Nike did and now doesn't sponsor one of the sporting teams that I love, whether it's the stories that were rife through the early 2000s of Nike using sweatshops to create their products, it seems as though just through our conversation now, I've landed on the idea that it's almost easier for a new company to create this brand personality because with Nike comes too much baggage. Whereas with Yui, it's, it's still kind of new and I'm still tapping into that brand personality that they're trying to create. Whereas Nike can create all the fancy commercials that they like. And, and I, you know, I like their products, I'm sure, and they look great. But they can't do anything to erase the lifetime of memories I have of different experiences with Nike products.
0: Absolutely. And you know, with the whole situation in the 90s, when Nike was using the sweatshops, The reason why the world threw their arms up in the air and said, This is atrocious, is because on the one hand, you know, Nike is then selling all these products to people saying, Go out, do it, you can, you can improve the world and you can change your life. And they're so encouraging. And on the other hand, there they are exploiting people in making these products. And so what they were saying and what they were doing were, Totally against each other.
1: And Mm. this is where the Mm. brand
0: reputation starts to fall down and where the personality of the brand, Nike, then turned around and went, Oh, you know, we've really buggered this up. And so now they've completely changed it. And now they are very much advocates on behalf of fair working policies and, you know, going into Bangladesh and making sure that all these different factories are set up the correct way and people are working for above the minimum wage. So they've actually had to turn it around because the entire industry went and said, that's not okay. Mainly because your brand says otherwise, you know, your brand says that you're supposed to be improving the world and encouraging people. But what you're actually doing is you're holding people down
1: interesting interesting stuff now that all of that is probably true but uh, I just bring it back to that uh, that idea of how effective the brand personalities is and and I've kind of landed on a, a, a rudimentary theory that the older the brand the more complicated and the harder it is to present to me a brand personality that they want me to digest whereas that example of Yui is is still so fresh and and uber is uber's the same and Airbnb mm. and airtasker I still have a wonderful image in my mind because they they are new, they're easy to connect to, they're direct, there's no yeah. non-value adding middleman, all those great things that we love in a business. But as we talked, I tell you what, there's a there's a really obvious company that falls smack bang in the middle between Nike and Yui, A company that is is still a little bit new in a lot of ways and is still producing products that make us excited, but is developing this underbelly of a reputation for for other stuff like tax avoidance, that's Apple. So I'm a I'm an Apple man. I have my, the phone, the iPad, the watch, the Mac. Love I'm it. I'm with you. And I'm it does totally with all you. All those things that are fantastic. But they're also proving to be a world champion tax avoider. They're also proving, we've heard the stories of where the products that you and I buy are made in factories in China where people aren't paid well and and there's also some awful jokes, of, I don't know whether it's true, about having to put nets outside the windows to to stop suicides. Life is so horrible. Now, that's a company that is struggling, I think, in my eyes, to control the message of their brand. They did such a great job of it for a while and there's still a little bit of a sheen on it because of the products that they create but they've been around so long now; there can't not be scars about the way they've conducted themselves.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And look, the longer a business has been around, the harder it's going to be for them. So when we look at Apple, mm. they are actually a combination of what we call the ruler—sorry, um, the rebel and the creator. Mm. Now, the rebel is shaking up the status quo, doing things differently. Back in the day, when you know Apple only produced computers. And they turned around and they produced the first smartphone and changed the way we consume data entirely, the way we listen to music. Yeah, absolutely. And made a
1: dent in the universe like he said he wanted to.
0: Yeah. And what happened there was the whole computer industry threw their arms up in the air and said, what are you doing? You're a computer company. You can't make a phone. And Apple turned around and said, well, watch us. Because the other part of their personality is that they are innovative They're forward-thinking, constantly creating, pushing the boundaries. And so when you look at the personality types, you know, Rebel is going to push the boundaries. Apple is going to push the boundaries. Apple is going to change things up, shake the status quo, be innovative. And, you know, some might even look at it and go, yes, they're avoiding tax. But you know what? They found the gap. They found the hole. And Mm -hmm. all they did was use it. And so, you know, is the blame on Apple? With the blame on the authorities that actually hadn't tightened it up and only have realized now, while they have mud on their face, that this is the situation. So Apple is still really staying true to their brand personality of being the creator and being the rebel at the same time.
1: Yes. And I wonder when an organization's personality crosses over from being that creator and the rebel to becoming the ruler over everybody. And maybe that's a, a, another conversation for Facebook as well. Maybe that's part of the journey that they've been on as well, because they've certainly had trouble managing their personality. If you had have asked someone 10 years ago or seven years ago about the personality of Facebook, you'd get a very different answer than the one that you would get today. Look, Absolutely. Jenny, I, I, I love these topics and I'm really interested in brand personality. It's an intriguing concept But most of all, I really enjoyed talking to you about this idea of personal brand because you've created a little bit of a new believer in me. I I I see the depth in it, and I see the 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 importance. (laughs) I see the importance for someone not just someone creating their own business and trying to sell themselves on the market, but for someone trying to operate within an organization and create a really clear value for themselves. I've I've really enjoyed our our chat, Debbie. Thank you so much.
0: Well, thank you for having me.
1: My pleasure. And that was Debbie O'Connor. Were you convinced? Do you see personal branding as an essential point of clarity for those of us who are building a business as well as those of us who are building a career within an organization? I was. Debbie convinced me that it's a valuable way to think. In fact, I think the steps she described are natural for us to ponder, and we do so regularly. What Debbie did was put some great structure and order to it all. And those five steps, number one, who are you? What are your key personality traits, the things that draw others towards you? Number two, what's your promise, that core promise that you make to every customer, every teammate, everyone you interact with? the thing that you will always deliver. Number three, what's your why? What drives you to want to make that promise? Number four, what's your style? How do you do things? How are you different to everyone else who might make a similar promise? And finally, number five, what reputation do you want to have? And do all your actions align? As always, I'll share the lessons I took from my conversation with Debbie, On the Lessons Learned page from this podcast, you'll find it, along with the entire back catalogue of Team Guru podcasts, on our website. That's teamswithans.guru slash podcast. Connect with me on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, or LinkedIn, and join me for the next episode on this, my mission to bring to life the theory and principles of leadership. This is David Frizzell for Team Guru. Bye for now.